Australia was wonderful. It, it was missing you. Uh, we, were, we were at a restaurant with my son and I the other day, and we were looking at the pictures, and we happened to know where some of the pictures were, because it's places we traveled in the world. The waitress came over and said, oh, I'm in trouble. I said, why are you in trouble? She said, I can barely pronounce the, the menu items, and you guys have been every place that's on the walls here. So she said, what's the most beautiful place you've ever been? And my son said, oh, man, there's this little village up in the mountains of Oaxaca, Teotlan, Oaxaca, Mexico, that is it's gorgeous. It's up and there's a rainforest and da, da, da. She said, what about you? I said, Fenton, Michigan is the most beautiful place I've ever been in my life. That is the place where no matter where I am or what I see, it's like, well, it's nice, but it's not Fenton. <laughs> so it's good to be home, good to be home. A bunch of years ago, uh, distance-wise, I was 9,500 miles away last week, but the story I'm about to tell you, these guys were 200,000 miles away from where you are right now. They're heading towards the moon, the Apollo 13 mission, Jim Lovell, Jack Swaggart, and uh, Fred Hayes are on this, this ill-fated mission. Swaggart's in the, uh, the, the pilot's seat. He's ordered from Houston to stir the cryotranks, the, the oxygen tank, and a circuit that had been planted two years prior to that was faulty. A spark ignited uh, an explosion. The explosion blew half of one side of their spacecraft off. 200,000 miles away from the nearest help, moving at seven miles per second. How many guys know you haven't had a bad day like that day? It's just a bad day. And, and in the middle of all of this, they don't know what's happened. They're leaking something into space. It isn't like you've got three of everything. The big battle with NASA was the engineers wanted to over-engineer everything, and the scientists wanted everything to have no backup system because they wanted more room for the weight for the, the laboratory equipment and the experiments and so forth. So this is battle. So it isn't like you had like three of everything. You had like one, sometimes two of certain things. But when it came to oxygen, they just didn't have enough of it. And so the oxygen was also what was producing their power in some way I don't understand. Uh, but in some ways, it, it was just they're really in trouble. And so into this 200,000 mile away, seven miles per second, missing half their spacecraft, we hear this. Houston, we have a problem. How, how many of you guys know that's an understatement? <laughs> Actually, it's funny because they said it past tense. It just came out. So we've had a problem. And so say again. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem, and hold one. So they start looking at their, their gauges, and, and oxygen's dropping, their heart rates are up, CO2 is rising, battery powers are draining, they're, they're sealing off things that can't be reopened. I mean, it's really critical. And, and the way Lovell expresses this great concern, we're about to die. We've got hours of oxygen before we're dead if we do nothing. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem. How many guys are glad when there's turbulence and the pilot sounds calmer than you are. Well, I, I want to be really honest with you today. I think we have a problem. And, and I, our problem actually makes their problem look small. Our problem has to do with sin, with who we are, with our fallen nature, with our redeemed nature, and the war that we're living with. Let me, let me show you a little bit about the, the problem I'm talking about. First John chapter 1, verse 8 says, If we claim to be without sin, well, we're an idiot. Um, that's the King Jim version. We, we deceive ourselves. And, and the truth is so far from you that if you look up the word stupid in the dictionary, your picture would be next to the word. If, if you say, you know, I, I've never sinned. I don't sin. I'm not a sin. I've never had. I, I understand there's a, there's, a, there's a talk of faith, but there's, there's also in Scripture the reality of who we are. Does this make any sense to you? 
So far, you guys are just really encouraged by the sermon, I can tell. Great. Came to church. I'm a sinner. Happy Thanksgiving. Let me give you a little bit more. Romans chapter 7, verse 25. So then I myself, Paul says, in my mind, I'm a slave to God's law. Like, I really want to do what's right. But what else is going on is in my sinful nature, I'm a slave to the law of sin. Now, something we're going to have to deal with for the rest of our lives is the fact that there's a part of us, our flesh, that is dying and wants us to die with it. We're body, soul, and spirit. That, that part of us that's, that's perishing, that's being, that will pay the consequence. The wages of sin is death. And so our bodies are dying. It's, it's never, your bodies will not be saved. They'll be redeemed. They'll be bought back. You receive a glorified body. If you're in Christ, in heaven, you get a new bod, okay? How many guys are waiting for the new bod? Because the old one makes weird noises. It, it hurts in places. You can tell it's going to rain two days before it rains. Anybody else besides Dave Levins has a barometer in your, in your body, you know? So he broke his leg. So can you tell it's going to rain? He goes, yeah, I, I can. I can tell you how many inches of rain based on what's aching in my body. So the, uh, we, we don't get, we don't, like this body will die because of the sin that it's experienced. But inside of that dying body, there's this living spirit that's been born again. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? So, I, and just being honest, we're in church on Sunday morning and no one's here to judge. We're all going to, but no one's here for that. You know what I mean? How many of you guys, like just being honest, like you know what I'm talking about when I say there's a struggle to be like Jesus. There's a part of me that doesn't want to be like Jesus. Those who didn't raise your hand, lied in church. I get where you're coming from, okay? I, I want to protect myself. I want to be better than I am. I want, to, I want people to see me differently than I can see me or God can see me. There's this part of me that always wants Jesus. There's this part of me that always doesn't. And, and I'm having to come to grips with the fact that Jim Wigan, I have a problem. Houston, I've got a problem. My problem is every time I want to do good, evil's right there with me. Every time I want to do evil, Jesus is right there with me. How many of you guys don't feel at, as at home in this life maybe as you thought you were going to? I, I'll be honest with you. The older I get, the more of me longs for a place I've never been. Does it sound strange at 53 to be homesick for heaven? I, I'm homesick for heaven. I, I long for the day where I wake up and have nothing to fight. I long for the day when I wake up and the food has no calories. Can I get away? I long for the day where my temper will have no purpose. I long for the day where lust, greed, fear has no temptation because everything I've ever needed is provided completely without any flesh to fetter it through Jesus Christ. I long for heaven. I long for heaven. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be a downer, and I'm not trying to be a downer. I didn't just say I want to die. <laughs> Everybody heard that, right? Is Jim okay? Is he, you know, he didn't sleep a couple nights in the same week, you know? I'm fine. I just, I just think I'm getting homesick for a place I haven't been before, but my heart knows the way through Jesus. So uh, we have a problem, but I have some good news. Somebody guys want to hear the good news? Yeah, we got a solution. <laughs> the problem that I have has a solution. My problem that I wake up fighting every day, that I go to sleep fighting every day, that I deal with at lunchtime and at breakfast time, and you know, when I want to go to the gym, but I don't, and the, you know, when I want to behave like Jesus, and then Jim comes out, I, I, you know what I mean? I have a solution, and here's part of the solution. Remember 1 John 1, 8, if, if we say we're not without sin, we're just really, like, you should be a politician if you can say that with a straight face, because that ain't true, right? The next verse after that says, if we confess our sins, let's talk about Jesus. He is faithful. Come on. Not only is he faithful, he's just and will cleanse us. He'll forgive us of our sins and purify us from all, everybody say all, unrighteousness. Like we, we have this great solution. I don't have to go to sleep ever in my life condemned because Jesus is greater than my sin. 
I don't ever have to wake up facing a battle, not realizing that no matter what my reaction, no matter what my action, no matter what my proaction is, at the end of the day, I am saved by the grace of a loving God. I can, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How about you? I don't have to wait for some new program or some new conference or some new seminar or some new deliverance. I have Jesus. And any moment of any day I realize I have fallen short, I am a confession, a humble confession of contrition away from absolute mercy coming on to absolute stupidity. Look at this. The very next verse after Romans chapter 7, verse 29 is Romans chapter 8. So again, the problem the solution. Therefore, there is now no, everybody say no. We use the word all in the last scripture, the word no, none, zero condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. So I, I want to talk about this today because I think, I think it's important because if we don't realize that the immensity of the mercy of God will live condemned and deceived. And at the same time, we don't face the fact that there's going to be a wrestling match before we go to bed tonight with our worst enemy, and it's you, it's me, it's us, there's going to be a problem as well. We can't live by this hyper grace that, that never recognizes where we fall short, and we can't live under condemnation. Both of those are, are ditches on the side of a road. How many guys know for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch? You got to watch out for the ditches. So I'm not going to live so condemned, oh, preach a hard sermon, preacher, because if you don't make me feel bad, I can't live right. How sick is that? At the same time, all I want to hear about is the grace of God. I don't want to hear anything about my behavior because God's so big. He's so wonderful. He's so fluffy. He's so snuggly. No, God is faithful, but God is also just. God is just, but trust me, God is also faithful. If he wasn't faithful, we wouldn't be here right now. So why is this important? Here we come. You ready? Step one, God is the author of your fresh start. I mean, God invented this stuff. I, this is not the, the wish of mankind. It's not the idolatry of a fallen Christianity. God is the author of the fresh start. God created it. You look at God's calendar, look at this. Every 50th year, no matter how poorly assets were managed, if the family farm was lost, if all the kids were bound in slavery, if debt and despair had just come upon a family to the place where they're absolutely just, they didn't have a single asset left of their name, every 50th year after the seven sevens, we'll get to that in a second, there was a 50th year called the year of Jubilee. And at the year of Jubilee, no matter what was lost, at least once in every man's lifetime, he got a fresh start. And if you live long enough, you got two of them. But at least once in every man's life, every woman's life, every child's life, they got a do-over. Somebody say do-over. Come on, man. God invented that. Every seven years, there was another thing. And that was the, the year where all debts were being forgiven. If you borrowed any money during the course of those seven years, at the end of the seventh year, whether it was paid back or not, the debt was canceled. People decided how much to loan and when to loan, if there's going to be taxes or, or not tax, interest included based on the number of seven years. Because they knew at the end of the seven years, no matter what was not collected, the debt was to be forgiven. There was a clean slate that God created in their calendar. You go on to every year. Well, what is a year? It's, it's, it's the 12 months, the cycle coming back, the beginning of the new season. I mean, you know, we didn't invent that. God invented that. He, he actually aligned the stars, the moon, the, the angle of the earth, how fast it spins around the sun. I mean, God is the one that designed us to have a new beginning every 300 and some days, depending on which calendar you look at. Same thing's true of the month. There's a month, the Hebrew calendar, every 29 or 30 days. There's a leap year that comes in every third year that adds like 13 days. So there's 13 months in the third year. I didn't get it either. So the look on your face, I had the same look when I looked it up. <clears throat> every month, there's a fresh start. Every week, there's a day one. 
two, three, four, five, six, and day seven. And what happens after day seven? It starts over again. There's a day of rest every seven days. Sunday's day one, Saturday's day seven. Saturday's supposed to be a day of rest. If it hadn't been for Ohio State, I'd have rested all day yesterday. But... <laughs> and every day, who created that sunrise, guys? And every 24 hours or so, there's going to be this new beginning. I was sitting on the ball field this morning watching the sun come up, and the thought hit me. You want to hear what the thought was? Come on, one person does. Anybody else? I'll say it for Bob, but everybody wants to hear it. No matter what mercy I have used during the course of my entire life, all of God's mercies are refreshed for me in this moment. He's not exhausted. He's not impatient. He's not unkind. He's waiting at any given moment for me to need mercy. He says, I refilled the bank while you were sleeping. While you were sleeping last night, I was refilling the bank of mercy for the withdrawals that you would need today. I mean, he's no God is good. Not just every day, but let's, let's look at this last one. Every moment. First John chapter 1, verse 9, if we, if we confess our sins. Well, when does that happen? Once a year? How many of you guys know that I, I have like moments of confession throughout my day? How about you? And the reason is because I, I find myself like, oh, I just blew it. How many of you guys ever traveled? Like it, it was five hours to Chicago, three hours in an airport, 13 hours to Tokyo. This is all on one trip. Two hours in Tokyo. The cleanest bathrooms ever, by the way. I, I, I want to go to the bathroom and eat my lunch. It was that clean. It was ridiculous. And then a 10-hour flight to Sydney, all on the same trip. Then to get on the wrong side of the car, because some idiot put the steering wheel on the wrong side of the car. And then to drive on the wrong side of the road with very little traffic lights, only roundabouts. So you go in the wrong way on the wrong side after not sleeping for two nights. How many of you guys know you're going to need some mercy on that day? And the people around you are going to need twice as much as you do. As I go the wrong direction down a one-way street and all the kids in the car scream. I, I just want you to know, my grandfather, he died like peacefully in his sleep. It was the other three people in the car that were screaming. Yeah, so that's, my kids almost had that same, that same experience. So, and I say all this again, I, there's going to be points to this. Point one, fresh start. Point two, here we go. There's a significant fresh start as God has ordained the heavens for you that is waiting called 2019. I don't want to have a New Year's resolution series of services. I really don't. I, I don't know about you, but New Year's resolutions last till January 3rd, and then you start them again on the 5th, and then you kind of end them again on the 7th, and then you realize about the middle of January you really didn't mean it, and you'll wait again till because it's hard to lose weight in the wintertime, so I'll lose weight in the summertime, and then summer becomes fall. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? I, I think that those, those things are somewhat fruitless, but today what I hope to do is engage more than our wish, um, go from a wishbone to a backbone with some faith here. So let me tell you what I know about fresh starts. You guys taking notes? I know this. I know I've never fought God for a fresh start ever. I've never had to get him to let me have a fresh start. I've never had to beg him or plead with him. I've never had to like you know, make a deal with him. I tell you what, if you just give me a fresh start, I will, for the rest of my life, you know, those foxhole prayers, if you get me through this, I'll, I'll live the rest of my days in peace and I'll, I, I'll never raise my hand to another human being, just get me through the war or whatever. I, I've never had to fight God for a fresh start. Every time through 53 years, um, and what's that, like 37 of those as a believer, I've never had to come to God to beg for mercy. He is merciful. He's not merciful on occasion. He is merciful. If there's anybody that's merciful in existence, God himself is merciful. He's also just. So we're going to balance that. <clears throat> but I, I, I love this thought that when I say, God, I need a do-over, God always says yes. 
And, and this morning, as I was talking about the sun coming up, there was, a, there was a weird moment you guys had. You couldn't see it because you're facing this way, but I was facing your way. I saw this weird moment where I said, I, I realized I got a clean slate this morning. There's about a 30 that went like, oh. It was almost like your soul said amen to that. Some of you said amen. Uh, you just say that when I'm done saying stuff loud. You know what I mean? But I, I could feel a tangible reaction, a connection to that. Listen, I want to tell you something. I'll tell you again. When that sun came up this morning, no matter what you've ever used of God's mercy, it was completely restored and refreshed this morning for you. And not for the next 10 years, for the next 10 seconds, for the next 10 moments. God has that much mercy. I will never fight God. You will never fight God for a fresh start. You've got to believe me, and you've got to believe him when I say that he said, when he said, so that I could say to you, God is a God of mercy. The minute you deny God's mercy, what you're saying is that what you have done is more powerful than what he's done for you. And you've fallen prey to the lie of condemnation where you will punish yourself with some false distance between you and God so that you can feel bad enough to live good again. There is a perversity to that religion that is unspeakably cruel because you will never arrive at home with the Father that loves you. You'll forever be a slave hoping not to be punished for what you did today. God has something better for you, sons and daughters. He really does. So let's talk about that. I, I know the second thing I know is this, is that I will fight the devil for my fresh start because he wants me to live condemned and defined by the worst moments of my life. He wants to go back to the divorce. He wants to go back to the addiction. He wants to go back to the pornography. He wants to go back to what I did in third grade when I beat up the other kid on the playground. He wants to go back to how I felt when that kid's older brother beat me up. He wants me to go back. He wants me to be defined by the worst things I've ever done. Why? Because he doesn't, he's afraid of the fresh start. He doesn't get a fresh start, by the way. If there's anything he hates about a relationship with God is that we get a do-over, and he never will. I heard Carmen say this years ago. Most of you guys aren't old enough to know who Carmen is, but in a song, he said, if the devil ever reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. I know this as well. My flesh, I'm fighting my flesh for my fresh start because in its process of dying, it really wants me to be chained to it. It would be better off. This is why when I used to go to the bar, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. I was an alcoholic, by the way. I'm not going to drink. I'm going to drink. Okay, I'll just have one beer. Okay, I'll have three beers. Oh, it's too late now. I've already had three beers. I got a buzz going. I might as well just get drunk. That, that process of thinking, that's my flesh wanting me, my, my soul and my spirit to die with it. Now, I'm going to say this to you guys. We, we do have a choice here. No one's going to stumble into, um, you know, 2019 and have a great year. There's a choice. And that choice is going to be we're going to do this by design or by default. Am I going to actually, you know, predict this and by faith declare this and get promises from God to know this? Am I going to be walking with him or is it just kind of a, a pipe dream? I think most of the reasons that our, our New Year's resolutions don't last because our resolutions didn't come from God. They came from a, a, the way we wanted to look because we saw somebody that looked that way. It came from what we wanted to drive because we, we saw something we wanted to drive that way. It came from a desire to be out of debt but not learn the lessons of self-control or to have wealth but not know how to be generous. I mean, all the things that we decide to do that don't come to pass, you can't tell me God was in that. I mean, no, God doesn't leave things unfinished, right? So we're, we can't do this. It's by design or default. It's going to be by proactive or reactive. Again, I don't, I don't think we're going to stumble into this. And lastly, it's God's way or my way. Am I going to, if, I, if there is going to be a fresh start and a clean slate, what does God want from me in that? How, how, can I, how can I take advantage of this thing that God's given me? So we're going to lock into, lastly this morning, some superpowers. Some of you guys are doing okay. i got 10 minutes and 30 seconds left. How much time you got left? My job is to talk to you as God talks to you. Your job is to listen. If you finish your job before I finish my job, my job's awful. Stay here with me. 10 minutes and 19 seconds. 
Let's talk about faith. This is one of your superpowers. This is something that God has given you to attach to moments the power of heaven in the life of man. Faith. Faith is uh, the promises that God makes to us that go beyond our natural abilities and our expectations. If you're going to look at 2019, this is where we work from. We work from faith. Without faith, it's impossible to what? You can't please God. Trusting God, believing God makes him happy. It pleases the Lord when we trust that what he's promised us will come to pass. So you look at the word, you look at his identity, you look at the goals, the dreams that God's put on your heart, we'll get to that in a second, and you begin to say, is God big enough? And when the answer is yes, God gets happier. When you see it, even though there's evidence to the contrary, when you hold on to it, even though it feels like it can't come to pass, when the impossible and the invisible and the intangible becomes the practical and the knowable and the touchable, God is pleased by those things. Whether we're sacking a city in, in you know, the Old Testament or we're believing God for the healing of a leper in the New Testament or we're walking forward in our marriages in, in today, we have to trust God or no matter what we do, it isn't pleasing to him. It's got to be a step of faith. If you've been doing the exact same things, the exact same way, and it's working for you, that's wonderful. But you'll find it stale in time because we're, we're created to live by faith. There's got to be these seasons of testing and these moments where we reach out and grab a hold of things. God is beyond our ability to comprehend, yes? But he's not beyond our ability to experience. Let that sink in. Faith is, I'm never going to understand how you do what you do but I know that I can experience all that you are in my life. Faith says, I expect. Everybody say expect. Come on. I, ex- I have an expectation on 2019. I- I'm engaging a superpower. That is the power to see um, a God future waiting for me. This fresh start, this new beginning. The old is gone. Behold, all things have become new. Faith expects experience. Second superpower is dreams. And dream is just the ability to envision a tomorrow <coughs> that's different from today. <laughs> I, you know, I, you've heard me say this probably too many times, and forgive me if, if you know what I'm about to say, but for the sake of those who had not heard it yet, I think it's important. My dog has dreams. She doesn't chase rabbits because she's a bulldog, but she chases like burritos, you know what I mean, and, and uh, scraps and stuff, and she'll kind of kick and whine a little bit, and, you know, uh, Twinkies, uh, ho-hos, you know what I mean? And, and, but she cannot dream about someday having a boyfriend and that becomes her, her mate with you know, little bulldogs running around the backyard with a white picket fence. Like she, God created us to do more than survive. He created us to be creative. There's a superpower that you have that nothing else in all creation has. They have instinct. You have the ability to see the invisible. They build a nest because God programmed them to build a nest. You can decide what kind of home you want to live in. You can, you can decide to bury a storage container underneath the thing with an airport in case, you know, the, the nuclear bomb hits. You can, you can have a house like that if you want. You can build a tree fort and live in if you want. You can build a subdivision, three-bed, two-bath, two-car garage, anything. You can envision your future. You can envision your relationships changing. You can envision ministry happening. You can envision prosperity. You can envision the, the erasing of debt and the consequences of bad decisions. You can envision anything you choose to envision. It's a superpower. You look at 2019, don't look at it like 2018, 2017, 2016. Look at it like 2019. It's a fresh start. It's a clean slate. His mercies are new. His promises are real. And it's time to start dreaming again. Oh, I'm too old to dream. I almost said then die, but that's not a nice thing to say to an old person. I... <laughs> Listen, guys, this is what? where This is what we work from. We work from our dreams. I trust that God is good enough to accomplish what he's put in my heart to do. Delight yourself in the Lord, and what happens? 
He grants you the desires of your heart. These are dreams. Lastly today, talk about our plans. Our plans are just basically the priorities and the partnerships that we're going to forge to, to let these things, put them in the right place, position them for success, position them for fruitfulness. This is, this is so important. If you have great faith and you have great dreams, but you don't have a plan, how many of us know if you fail to plan, you plan to fail? That's in the Bible probably somewhere, the book of Uliah. That's it's said so often, right? This is how we work and with whom we work. You need to be involved in people's lives that are dreaming and that are believing. When your dreams are discouraged, you need people around you that are not discouraged. When your faith is drained, you need someone who has plenty of faith. Anybody here ever been so sick, you couldn't pray for your own healing? Anybody here ever been so discouraged, you couldn't pray for your own encouragement? I thank God that when I am in a state of weakness, God surrounds me with the strong. I, sometimes they're so strong, they're annoying. Well, brother, you should just, oh, man, don't brother me right now. I'm going to pray for you. All right, please go home and pray. No, no, right here, right now. We're in Walmart, dude. You know, like, how many of you guys know when people have more faith than you do, you need to let them share their faith? <laughs> when people have bigger dreams than you, you need to let them share their dreams. I think we will become a lot like the people we hang out with, the people we surround ourselves with. I'm here to tell you guys this. I believe that 2019, and I'm just going to say it, and I'm going to say it prophetically, okay? I think 2019 has the possibility, has the potential, and I think God wants us to face it differently than any other year of our lives. I, that could be like a nice thing to say. I don't think it is. I honestly think there's a challenge from the Holy Spirit, a challenge from God to us, to the Freedom Center, to you, to your relationships, to your friendships, to your marriages, to your neighbors, to your business, to your education, to anything you've got your hand to right now. I believe that God is, is saying this isn't like the other years. Don't prepare for it like the other years. Don't, don't be cynical about it like the other years were. This is different. There's something new happening in 2019, and if you take advantage of it, it's yours. And if you don't, it'll be another year that comes and goes. And I'll tell you this, those of you that are in your 30s and in your 20s and in your teens, okay, the time, by the time you get into your 50s, and from what I've heard, your 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, it goes so fast. When you're a kid, it's like eighth grade. It takes forever. And then it's ninth grade, and it takes forever, ever, because now you're the freshman. And then it's 10th grade. It takes forever because they make you take Latin. 11th grade takes forever. 12th grade takes forever. And then is it true or false that time just speeds up from the time you get out of high school or college when you're measuring things by years? I, it's just, we've been here 20, how many years, babe? 24 years? In March, it'll be 24 years or 25? 24 in March. I look in the mirror and wonder who the old guy with the turkey neck is staring back at me. I picked up my bulldog to carry her to bed the other night. Don't judge me. She was hurt. And when I picked her up, I was like, oh, ugh. I thought, she only weighs 80 pounds. What's wrong with me? You know what's wrong with me? I'm 53 years old. And the only weights I've lifted in two years are quarter pound weights with cheese on them. I asked, I asked for barbells for Christmas. Hallelujah. You know, I asked for a toolbox. I changed it to barbells after the dog incident, as it will become known in years to come. I'm saying this, I think I can get in shape in 2019 by the grace of God. I, I, think, I think that the debt freeness we've enjoyed in 2017 and 18 is now going to become in our own life a prosperity and a generosity in 2019 that is hitherto unheard of, right? And I want you to do this, guys. Just let's, a little dreaming, a little believing, Let's combine it. Closing exercise. Two minutes and 30 seconds left. What do you believe God wants to do in you and through your life in 2019 if you could get out of his way? Now, just close your eyes. And, and I know my son makes fun of me. 
Dad, you can't say close your eyes and talk for 20 more minutes. So this will be three minutes because I'm asleep in five. So I, I get that. I understand. It's getting warm in here. Let me say it again. What do you believe God wants, wants to do in you, wants to do through your life in 2019 if you could fully and completely get out of his way and just let him be God? I want you to, I want you to touch something right now in your mind, in your heart. What would that be? Is it a marriage? Is he wayward kids? Is the explosive nature of a Holy Spirit-filled ministry? Is it a book? Is it, is it something you're writing, something you're teaching, something you're learning? If you could get out of God's way, what could happen in 2019? Now open your eyes. I'm going to ask you a second question. Look right here. I want you to multiply that now by 10. I wanted my marriage to go from here to here. Well, what if it went to here? I wanted my ministry to go from here to here. Well, what if it went to there? I wanted the, I wanted the potential of my life to be realized from here to, to here. Well, what if, it, what if it went to here? How many of you know we haven't exhausted God yet? Amen? Now, some of you guys are like, we want to adopt two more kids. It's like, okay, 20, this doesn't apply everywhere. It's not, not what I'm talking about. I see, I see you guys in the front row going, ah, uh, it doesn't work with us? Okay. I understand there's different math for different things. Now, multiply that by 10 again. Jim, why would you do that? Because I still don't think we've exhausted God. You're up to 100 kids, but I'm just saying the rest of us are doing pretty good, right? And that's wonderful. Maybe it's not a ministry of 100 kids in your home, but maybe it's a ministry to 100 kids. You know what I mean? And let's do it one last time. Let's just multiply that by Jesus. How many loaves and fish does Jesus need to feed a multitude? Whatever you got in your hands, with some faith, the ability to dream, with the ability, the, the partnerships, the plans that God's going to put in your life. I want you to stand to your feet in the closing 25 seconds. One of my New Year's resolutions is to get you guys out of here on time every week. You'll notice it's November. So I have a few weeks to ramp up to this. I think God's biggest dreams, and I know that he has them, and he has plans, because I hear him say, behold the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I know that he has a heart because he describes in the Old Testament as being broken or being filled with joy to the place of dancing and singing over us. Um, I, many of the things we feel, I don't, I don't quite comprehend how God feels them. I, I think since he's infinitely larger, the feelings are infinitely larger as well. You know what I mean? I think one of the things that would really please the Lord is if January 1st, 2019 wasn't just another day. It was a new day. And can I back up a little bit? What's the date today? Anybody know? November something? 25th? Thank you. It's good to have smart people in the front row. I appreciate that, sweetie. What, what if November 25th, we began practicing fresh starts and new beginnings? So by the time we got to January 1st, we had some experience actually living this way. What if our dreams weren't annual? What if they were monthly as he's established months? What if they were weekly as he's established weeks? What if they were daily? as he's established days. What if it was moment by moment? And if anything, such as our flesh, got in the way, we could get a fresh start and keep trudging forward. But then I, I know, but I know, fresh start, keep moving forward. But then I stumble, I know, fresh start, keep moving forward. I just know we got to trust God for great things in 2019. That begins with God being greater in our minds, in our hearts, and in our lives. If greater things are to come through us, he must be greater within us. Close your eyes, I pray. Father, in Jesus' name, is anybody here that doesn't believe you for greater things? They cannot be looking at your word to come to that conclusion, and they cannot be looking forward to come to that conclusion. They must be looking backwards. 
normally, God, I'd say right here, you know, one, two, three, raise your hand and say the prayer, but I think this one's for everybody, so I'm just going to do it this way. If, if you're here today and you have a past experiences, past failures, past mediocrity, past expectations that, that weren't met, past, um, you know, victories that weren't realized, I, I get that. But can I also give you something else to get with it that's greater than that? He's the author, and he's the perfecter of your faith. Your failures don't define you, but through the grace of God, they refine you. You're defined by his love for you. You're defined by his relationship, his covenant with you. That's what defines you. You are who he says you are. We should write a song and sing it someday about that. I am who you say I am, right? But I want you to know this. If that is true, then you have to also understand that that you're not limited as you dream about the future based on the failures of your past. Moses was a murderer. He was a runaway. He was, he was a hypocrite. And then Jesus somehow through a burning bush calls him and he becomes a prophet and a deliverer. David is an adulterer and a murderer. But the throne that Jesus sits on in heaven is called the throne of David. I'm telling you, God, God knows your past. He doesn't define you by it. There's a fresh start. There's a clean slate for those who reach out and say, if you did it for Mo and you did it for Dave, you'll do it for me. That's faith. It's, it's you know, Abraham. Man, did he blow it, but he's the father of the faithful. Solomon, man, did he blow it, but he got to write the book of Proverbs that speaks wisdom to every generation since. I'm, I'm just here to tell you, God's not looking at what you've done and saying, that's who you are. He's looking at what he's done for you, and he's saying, that's who I know you to be. He's not calling you backwards to deal with junk. He's calling you forwards to live in a destiny. History is history. We can't change it. But by the blood of Jesus, it is removed. It's forgiven. Our stains, our blemishes, even our scars sometimes can be completely and utterly removed. But I'm here to tell you today, guys, you... I I want so much more for you. Forgive me for being frustrated. Let me just say this. God has a glorious future for you, but you got to trust him and you got to dream it with him and you got to plan for it and prepare for it and partner for it. So Father, I pray that everybody here today would look at their past and say goodbye one last time. Now let us turn away from our past and look towards our future. That's where you're leading us. That's where you're taking us. That's where you're sending us. That's where you're anointing us. That's where you're empowering us. I'm sorry that things have gone wrong in your marriage. I'm sorry that there's been infidelities and hurt feelings. I'm sorry. I am. There's no greater pain on this earth. Death, death hurts less than, than that. Right now, you need to make a decision. Will you stare at your past or will you gaze into the future that God's promised you? Sorry that your health has been terrible. I'm sorry that overcoming calories and, and you know, lack of exercise has been really hard on you. I, I get that. But don't let the failures of the past dictate the glories of God's future for you. I'm sorry that finances have been really hard on you. That they're almost like they're cursed. Every time you get three bucks ahead, there's a $4 repair in your car that has to be made. I'm sorry. But don't let yesterday define expectation for Jesus that's waiting for you today and tomorrow. We can believe, we can trust, we can walk, we can create, we can dream, we can plan, we can partner, we can prepare. God has given us superpowers to envision a tomorrow different from today. Father, I pray that goodbye 
2018, <laughs> 2017, all the way back to 1965. Today is a brand new day in Jesus' name. If you believe that today and you need that, come on, just say amen. God, I need that. I need that. I need it. I'll take it. I need it. I'll take it. And I'll run with it. And I'll learn to walk in it day by day in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Altar workers are moving forward. And if you need prayer, the new you needs some prayer. There's a new future for you. There's a lot of faith waiting for you at the altar this morning. If you haven't had a chance to meet, love to meet you back there in the, the little guest room. If not, go grab your kids. God bless you. Live long and prosper. We'll see you soon. Good day.